Welcome to the Hey Soul Sister podcast, where Mel Histon will guide you through life's big questions and bring you one step closer to doing this crazy journey as best you can. Hey Soul Sisters, when I was in my late 20s, I was diagnosed with depression. I had just separated from my husband. I was in a job I hated. Crap was just kept going wrong for me. I got three speeding fines. My cheque went missing in the mail. I'd paid someone with it and they didn't believe me. And if they actually did find it later, I wasn't lying about that. But I was feeling totally scared about my life. And I started having a few suicidal thoughts. I went to the doctor who did a question test with me and she diagnosed me with depression and gave me a script for antidepressants. After two months of being on the antidepressants though, I actually decided I hated how they made me feel. So I went cold turkey and apparently that's not great. And I had to try and fluster and figure out how to get through that period of time, which I eventually did. The depression is reaching epidemic proportions in our community. And I'm gonna say probably a lot more than COVID is just saying. It doesn't discriminate and it is evident amongst teenagers, adults and the elderly who all have different triggers and different circumstances going on in life. And for me, my trigger was a marriage breakdown. You know, in my late 20s, I think I was like 27 or 28 at the time, which is actually kind of young to be going through a marriage breakdown. But um, that sent me in this whole other spiral of struggling with mental health for a while until I could get through that period of time. I have to admit though, that when some people confide in me that they are suffering or have suffered with depression, I'm totally surprised because outwardly they appear so happy and so chill. And one such person with me, and I'm going to call her a soul sister, Jess Shulu. Is that right, Jess? Yes, that'll do. It's been anglicised anyway. So Jess has come in to have a chat today with us about depression and very kindly and openly to share her experience with depression and actually the depression that is intergenerational in her family. So, hey, Jess, thank you for coming in and and being so generous, sharing your life story and your um, anecdotes that go with that. Thank you. I just hope some of my experiences can help support others by sharing. Yeah. And I first met Jess a few years ago um, when she was looking to establish a social enterprise, which she has done. So Jess is the lead founder and driver of happiness at the social enterprise, the Grateful Boutique and Bouquet, which is Newcastle's answer to Thank You Water and the Oxfam shop. So Jess, tell us just a little bit about how that works. So basically it works on a pay it forward model. So anything someone in the community purchases from us, we'll donate something on their behalf back. So we sell uh, flower posies. So if you buy a posy through us, we do up another one at the end of the week and it goes up to the hospital and you'll get an email with some pictures and a story so you can see where it's gone. A bit like the World Vision when you get a letter back from your sponsor child. And then everything else in store, we're very proud to say, on each purchase we donate part of our profit 
to Got Your Back Sister, your beautiful charity. Yes, yes. So over the last two years, uh, Jess, uh, Amy and Amali from The Grateful have donated about $8,000 Yay! to Got Your Back Sister, which is amazing. Which is completely, I want people to know that's not us. We're just the sort of cogs and wheels behind that. That's Mel that's created this amazing charity and helping people in the community. And it's our community who are shopping through us to make sure that money gets to Got Your Back Sister. Well, thank you. We're very, very grateful for your support and the support of everybody who shops at the Grateful. Yeah. So, and Jess, you have always struck me as being such a joyful, upbeat and passionate person. So when you opened up and, and told me about um, the depression that you had ex- have experienced in your life, I was pretty flawed. I think we probably have a perception that people living with depression outwardly appear really down. But, but you certainly to anybody who knows you as as such a a lovely, joyful person. So tell us about that. When were you first diagnosed with depression? Um, Well, I think for majority of my childhood teenage years, I would have suffered quite severely from depression. A lot prior to being diagnosed, I used to... I was very much hit it. I grew up in a family for which you mentioned before, coming from generations and generations of people that suffered from depression. My mother's father actually shot himself in the garage and I accidentally found that out one day. She never told us, never wanted us to know. But then I took on the burden of my parents not having a child that suffers or might want to take their own life. So I really actually hid that from them and everyone else I know. And it wasn't until I actually did something which was supposed to be quite private um, in terms around my life, but it accidentally became quite public that my best friend's mother actually called my mother and said, I think Jess needs help. Because my parents were just doing the best they could with what they had surviving and I did my best to hide it from them. And then eventually I got taken to get support and then was officially diagnosed with depression. Were you alive when your grandfather... No, my mum was 19. Oh, wow. She actually told me he died of diabetes. He did suffer severely from diabetes and my uncle was there one day and blurted it out and my mother was devastated. She did not want us to know that that's what had actually happened. So it's very much that, as we learnt before, depression, holding it all in and not talking about it, which is what we've learned is a lot of this stems from that. Yeah. You know, it's interesting. My cousin, Danny, committed suicide when he was 25 and um, I didn't tell our kids that that is how he died wow. straight away. And um, I, I've, I've since told them. And But at the time, um, yeah, it's interesting. Why didn't I tell them? I was, you know what, I was worried that, and especially Max, he's my biological son, I was worried about him knowing, I think probably because um, he, I don't know, I was worried that it would have some sort of negative impact on him. Yeah. He now knows mm. and was really sad when I told him. But, yeah, it's, it's funny, isn't it? It's the whole... Like, we, we well, I'm, I'm actually really glad you shared that with me because I still have never had that conversation with Mum why she didn't want me to know, but I guess it was that protective measure and a a lot of the things my mum she's such a strong woman and I've got so many amazing traits from her but she was dogged that life's hard you're gonna hate school if someone tells you you look pretty just say no thank you and you know if you don't come to me unless you're crying or bleed you know you've got to be bleeding to get a band-aid and all those things are just beautiful and made me the such a strong independent person I am but they also 
made me not talk about stuff and hide stuff and not that she made that happen of course I I definitely thank her for the good bits I've got but it's those belief systems I decided to take on for myself that I guess led me to a lot of the areas and dark places I ended up. Support a sister and leave us a review whenever you listen to the podcast. Do you mind me asking Jess, so when you were a teen and you were living with depression, what did that feel like? How did how was that manifesting for you? I was of the belief, not that um, life wasn't unfair, but that I was actually detracting from the world and the world was going to be a better place without me. I used to actually... Um, I guess I lived in almost a heightened state of a panic attack and I used to... The first biophysical need of our bodies is to breathe. So I used to just stop breathing and hold my breath until it actually just defaulted on me and gasped for arrogant because I felt selfish to take that next breath. Oh, wow. Do you look back now and, and feel sad for that teenage girl that... Yes, but I'm also so grateful for it because... If I had not had that experience, I might not be here with you right now sharing this story. And I've got two beautiful children that I decided to break that cycle prior to having kids that I might not have done so prior. And it could have manifested while they were around in front of them and me not being aware of it or having the tools to manage it or vice versa. It quite possibly could manifest in them and I would having that experience hopefully I've gone on that journey to share with others and prevent them from going down that that road or taking a different path. When you were a kid and a teenager um, and your parents was it both your parents or just more your mum who? Uh, No definitely both my dad comes from a Russian background they escaped in the war I don't know if you know many Russian people but when you say oh how's your day oh not good and it goes straight into war stories and how life's so hard and we've been hard done by so yeah it's definitely from both sides that's interesting I think um, a lot of um, eastern European older people have that same sort of outlook I guess life's Mm. hard and was your mum did she come from a Russian background as well no no she's your typical generic blend of Irish Scottish (laughs) convict yeah. So how did you see her as a as a teenager? Um, like how, did it, how did it show? Sorry. My mum, uh, growing up in the household, well, I, I don't think it was that obvious at the time. I just knew I wanted to almost protect them from yeah. my pain. And they, work is so ingrained in, you know, you take it home and things like that. At the time, my parents were working in a resort. So they were working on weekends and they were working nights. So they were so run down and busy and I saw that and I took on that oldest sibling to protect and support my parents. So they were treading water and doing the best they could for our family. So you were taking that responsibility exactly, on. Exactly, yeah. And, and they weren't in a position, they were surviving, you know, for us to do what they thought they had to at the time, put food on the table, a roof over your head, you know, basic needs and those sorts of things. So just come out and say, well... It's more than basic needs that I need and they weren't in a position to be able to, I guess, see that at the time either but I did such a good job of hiding it and that's, I think, really important for why I'm finally coming out and sharing this is um, in case there's someone else out there that's hiding it from their parents or your child might be just ticking boxes, getting the grades, good at sport and you think everything's hunky-dory. But they're feeling quite bad about it. Exactly. Exactly the example you gave before where I say that quite often people... um, 
that are depressed, you don't notice it because they come across so happy or they look like they're kicking goals in life. Life's not about ticking boxes and kicking goals. Life's all about, to me, how you feel and what you get to experience. Yeah. I remember when Paul Hester died from Crowded House and I remember it came out in the news and, and he had committed suicide and people were coming out in the media going, but he was always so happy. He was a ha- and, and even in Crowded House, he was a happy-go-lucky one that was like the clown that would do all these crazy things on stage and people would say that he lived in St Kilda. Oh, but he's he's walking down the street and or having a coffee, chatting to people. He's so friendly, so lovely. He always seems so happy. And yet inside he obviously was not. Oh, I guess that's with comedians, don't they say that with comedians too? They're really introverted or quite often have a high depression rate. So Jess, I'm guessing then that as a teen, you weren't kind of sitting in the room crying and um, giving that off that, that you were struggling. Uh, I think I was, um, yeah. but I hit it. Again, I hit it. You know, my parents were working at the time, nights, you know, as well as days, and I yeah, I was very good at hiding it. I've heard people before describe depression as like having a cloud over you. Is that what it felt like? I don't know if anyone's ever read this book called The Displaced Person. My mum gave it to me when I was quite young, and it's all about sort of, I guess, a teenager's journey, and I guess going through what I went through, being depressed, and there's an example where they said they felt invisible. They've you know, slipped off the face of the earth, no one noticed, and they were just, a, I think it was a, like a Coke bottle analogy in the, on the sidewalk and everyone just kept walking past it. I feel like I read that book and almost manifested it for myself. Like, no one's going to care. Why bother telling anyone? Like, you're responsible for this. Just there's yeah. only one you, you need to take care of it, basically. So when your friend's mum reached out to your parents and said, I think Jess needs help, what did that help look like? Oh, I went and actually spoke to someone, a psychologist and... I remember sitting in there going, this is fake. They're paying to support, um, they're being paid to support me and just that far down and almost pushing it away because I felt like for the first time in my life, someone's actually asked me how I felt and it felt so nice. Yeah. felt so nice, but then it felt so disingenuous because they were being paid to ask me that. And so then... So you felt as though they didn't really care. Yeah. And then they actually referred me to have psychotherapy done, like uh, hypno like therapy I just remember crying the whole time again like don't try and take me anywhere dark I'm so dark I'm not capable of going there to get to the root of this and it was never pleasant so what actually helped me to snap out of it one of my best girlfriends died when I was 16 all of a sudden I felt a real physical pain that somehow snapped me out of what had happened and I guess when you go through a traumatic experience like that with other friends, you bond and grow together. And all of a sudden, I guess I must have really developed deep, proper connections with people. And you'd been through something. And all of a sudden, I felt that connectedness and belongingness in the world. And from then on, it became something that had happened, the depression. And I'd been through it. And I was able to talk about it. And that death had really snapped me out of it because I got to feel something tangible for a change instead of this made up belief and what I told myself about how I should feel and how I should be and what I should do to fix that. So Jess, earlier on, you said something you alluded to an event or something that that had happened, which drew attention to your friend's mum. And then she reached out to your parents. What was that? And only if you feel comfortable sharing. Of course, I feel like I have an obligation to share for the greater good. I had made a decision to take my own life but do it in a way that no one would know it was actually suicide. I didn't want my parents to wear the burden of having a child that had committed suicide and 
taking any of the stuff for, oh, God, I can't even, I mean, I've got kids now, I can't even comprehend what that would be. Yeah. So I was never leaving a note. I was never doing anything like that. I went to a party and had sort of planned a couple of options in my head of how it could have been an accident and away from everyone else. Unfortunately, I had a few drinks and it instead I got really depressed and did some stupid things and went off course with my initial plan. So that what happened after that was I got in huge trouble off my parents because I got drunk and did stupid things. And so I was actually in trouble and asked to apologise to people for my behaviour and things like that. And as opposed to anyone, again, I did such a good job of hiding it, Mel. Jess, I'm I'm listening to you and I, you're, some of what you're saying is resonating with me, so... And so my parents were totally oblivious. You know, I was a smart kid. I was funny, outgoing. I was good at sport, you know. And they had their own shit going on, so I hid it. And it wasn't till And I was crying. Oh, I wasn't crying out for help. I didn't want anyone to know. And I believed I deserved everything I was feeling. Oh so, yeah, it was after that that I guess it's life serendipitous, isn't it? If I had not lost my way in my attempt and actually failed suicide, none of this would have happened and my best friend's mum wouldn't have reached out to my mum. So instead of me getting, I was halfway through a weekend of being punished and writing letters to apologise to all these people when finally that phone rang and it was my best friend's mum to say, I think Jess needs help. Wow. And high five to your best friend's mum. Yeah, she's she's pretty amazing. And so is my mum and so is my dad. Yeah, yeah. As a parent, sometimes you might see something in other kids' behaviours and you actually go should I reach out to that parent or not and how will they receive that and will they get angry at me? And so, you know, a lot of parents might have concern about their children's friends but they don't know how to what to do or whether to reach out or not. Yeah. And so that must have been a very brave woman oh. to reach out and say something. And how lucky am I? Like I know. Oh, and how lucky are my parents that she did too, you know, and... Hopefully that is just being a catalyst for a flow-on effect that, you know, yes, it took a while for that to happen and it took another terrible event for me to move out of that depression and shift and see life for what it really was instead of the made-up beliefs I'd laid and laid upon myself. Um, But hopefully there is so much good to come out of that. Well, and do you know what? It's interesting. You, um, you know, you... I can see that you've been really protective of your parents and everything and I'm like... You're such a wonderful human being and the world is so blessed to have you in it. And I go, your parents actually must have done a really wonderful yeah. job yeah, you know, totally. in raising you because you are such a delightful person and delightful human being. So that came from somewhere. <laughs> <laughs> totally. Thank you. And it is. Yeah. Like I am such a strong, independent person because of my parents and I have the wackiest, most awesome passion and quirkiness for life and that yeah. comes from my dad and... <laughs> He's hilarious and doesn't hold back. So (laughs) I'm so grateful for that stuff. So then how do you think that going through all of that has impacted you, your life going forward? I've never taken anything for granted. Like I am an avid traveller. I get the worst separation anxiety. I've done a lot of travelling by myself to all sorts of places, East Timor, Russia, to see our family. No one had been back since my grandparents fled in the war. And I go and do these things by myself and I'm debilitated by separation anxiety for two 
two days and then all of a sudden like clockwork it just snaps and I know I need to do these things and I a lot of it might have come from losing so many close friends knowing I have to go on and do those things for them and ever since I grew up I pre-depression during depression post-depression probably doesn't help at all but I've always loved biographies and autobiographies and felt that us as humans and the world is just all one place so I've always read stories true stories I've I can't read fiction I can't bring myself to do it if I'm going to absorb some information I want it to be real and I want to learn and grow which you can get from fiction and non-fiction so I've always read stories about people from uh, you know escaping war and and the Middle East and things like that so I have this great appreciation for the real world like I would like to describe myself as an optimistic realist so I think the world is effing magic I think it's full of abundance it's just displaced at the moment the abundance but I'm also so aware of other living circumstances and when I travel I loved I've been to East Timor just before I came back and started the Grateful I went traveled half of Africa and went to South America so we stayed in tents and mud huts and things like that so I am so aware that most of the world doesn't live like we do in this somewhat disillusioned world of where the abundance happens to lie at the moment that's a huge thing for me as well yeah and how do you think it's impacted you as a mama because you have two beautiful little girls yes Oh, the depression in terms of that I did so much work on myself I was never going to have kids and you know I didn't even know if it was possible but before I even dabbled with the idea of having kids I wanted to get myself to a place where I felt so good and when I decided to have kids was when I felt like I didn't need kids I was so full and content with my life so either way it went you know it didn't matter let's get soulful on social media Search the Sister Code Facebook page and follow us on Instagram. So that's a huge thing with the fear. Like once you actually fall pregnant or have children, the fear that you might pass that down to them. Or what if I haven't done enough to break the cycle? But I just hope that my experience and I had those experiences and I'm sharing this story, you know, prevents or allows people to have their own journey of it, but not to the depth. And I have the tools and resources to share that with my children if they do go down that path or hopefully have the tools to identify it and just be there to support them. It's beautiful. Having children, I felt I got to a place in my life where it didn't matter either way it went and I sort of felt I'd done a lot of work and I'd grown as much as I could for this part in time in my life. And I remember sitting on a boat in Galapagos with my partner going, wow, I have I feel so full, like I'm overflowing. This is just perfect. Like if that's, this was the end, I feel so good about it. And all of a sudden I was like, oh, maybe it might be nice, you know, to have children. Like I've travelled so much on my own. He'd finally come with me on a few trips now. And I sat in Galapagos just staring out in this magical moment going, I would love to come back, but I don't want to come back as me. I want to come back and see the world and ex- re-experience it through someone else's eyes, some innocent beautiful eyes and just see the beautiful world for how they see it so that was the moment in time where I went oh maybe maybe I'll see if we can have kids yeah well how old were you then 33 I think so you came back and had little Eddie yeah so I decided to stop taking the pill on the plane on the way back and a month or two later I was pregnant and Eddie was on her way what gives you greatest joy with your kids oh 
I think that just when I can slow down, I think you and I are very similar. We run on this very high level, but I'm using them as a tool to teach me to slow down and be present. And when I can just sit there, like this morning, watching Ed play games and I'm just living through her and that joyous moment and or when I you know you sort of judge yourself as a parent often because I never actually lost my temper at all the entire time I had Eddie until Bowie came along my second child who's just turned eight months and it's all of a sudden that's added a new dimension to the relationship and I know I'm not angry at Eddie but I'm frustrated at the situation or angry Mm. at the situation you know battling sleep and things like that and I get you know the guilt if you ever snap at your kids and the guilt you feel for that and then something might happen to Bowie the youngest where she's sad and Eddie will go and do the things I do to Ed to calm her and he's like are you okay Bo can I get you this do you want me to rub your back I love you so 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 much and she squeezes it and I'm like okay the good the love is so much stronger than those terrible guilt outbursts I've had that is so beautiful and then you think you know oh okay it's all good. No, I just feel the less I can interfere with them, the less I can just be there and we share life together and not they're not mine. They're their own beautiful humans that I get to do life with and it's effing amazing. And the less I can interfere and just step back and learn from them, the better. My friend, what have you learned about life? To feel and experience. I mean, I don't, I don't think I've learned that. I think that's innately me. And if that's how you feel and that's what drives you, just do it. And, and it's all made up. You know, like it's just the stuff I was feeling and the stuff I did and believed I should be doing, that was completely made up. Most of the thoughts we have are. Mm -hmm. They're actually just, we just make them up. The monkey mind, the mindless chatter that our our mind tells us it's 95% crap. Yep, so if I can make it up, damn, I'm going to tell a different story now. That's one of the things I learned from Charlotta when she introduced me to that whole concept of the monkey mind is how unreliable our minds are. Mm -hmm. It's just mindless chatter, telling yourself crap. So that's why I think kids and Eddie and Bowie, like I'm trying to refer to them as their names because they are, you know, their own humans and beings. Watching them and, and getting rid of the chatter where I'm just absorbing and learning through them as opposed to filling my head up and life up and space up with stuff but just watching them and doing exactly what I said I was going to do in Galapagos and just watch the world through their eyes and experience it through them and what have you learned about yourself that hey I'm okay and and I always I guess I always felt so uncomfortable in in life and every part of that for so long or big significant part of my life to just be comfortable with it or use the uncomfortableness to grow as opposed to feeding it and sticking in it and use it as a positive as opposed to a detractor. You are okay and actually pretty much everyone's okay. Yeah. Really? (laughs) You can get to a place where it's impossible to see that or you don't know how to see that. And what would you say to anybody who may be having those depressed feelings like you did um, to the point where you were thinking about ending your life? Well, the little quote that I rejigged the other day, I guess, I guess anxiety is like that. You get, we look at this quote, the calm before the storm in such a pessimistic way. And we're always looking for the bad and we're always waiting for the bad. And it's basically inevitable, but really, Hey, when there's a storm, it's always followed by a calm. And yes, it might be uncomfortable and it, you know, you've got to ride it out, but there's going to be a calm 
So the only thing that will prevent that calm is how you look at that storm. So if you come out of the storm, you go, oh, this is broken, that's happened. But so much new life stems from that and there's that beautiful stillness to just breathe and it will be okay. Yeah, it will be okay. And so lastly, I guess if anybody is listening to this and they may be struggling with bad feelings, bad thoughts or depression or anxiety, you can actually reach out and ask for help. Uh, and as a, as a straight up, if you can always call Lifeline or Beyond Blue. Well, thank you so much, Jess. Thank you for coming in and um, ensuring your personal story. I know it's not always easy to do that, but I also know you're such a generous, kind hearted person and that you feel really strongly about supporting others and empowering other people thank you beautiful and thank you for creating this space for me to do that you know i i'd hate to think that i went through what i did and maybe exposed other people to it unless there was good to come from it and hope for others thanks for listening to hey soul sister with mel histon what would help you on your crazy life journey email melissa at thesistercode.com